0: encompasses chapters 21 through 23. Do you have your tea? Today I'm having peppermint. Great, let's jump back in. Chapter 21. We had sad work with little Kathy that day. She rose in high glee, eager to join her cousin, and such passionate tears and lamentations followed the news of his departure that Edgar himself was obliged to soothe her by affirming he should come back soon. He added, however, if I can get him, and there were no hopes of that. This promise poorly pacified her, but time was more potent, and though still at intervals she inquired of her father when Linton would return, before she did see him again, his features had waxed so dim in her memory that she did not recognize him. When I chanced to encounter the housekeeper of Wuthering Heights in paying business visits to Gimmerton, I used to ask how the young master got on, for he lived almost as secluded as Catherine herself, and was never to be seen. I could gather from her that he continued in weak health, and was a tiresome inmate. She said Mr. Heathcliff seemed to dislike him ever longer and worse, though he took some trouble to conceal it. He had an antipathy to the sound of his voice, and could not do it all with his sitting in the same room with him many minutes together. There seldom passed much talk between them. Linton learned his lessons, and spent his evenings in a small apartment they called the parlor, or else lay in bed all day, for he was constantly getting coughs and colds and aches and pains of some sort. And I never knew such a faint-hearted creature, added the woman, nor one so careful of himself. He will go on, if I leave the window open a bit late in the evening. Oh, it's killing, a breath of night air, and he must have a fire in the middle of summer, and Joseph's back-a-pipe is poison, and he must always have sweets and dainties, and always milk, milk for ever, heeding not how the rest of us are pinched in winter, and there he'll sit, wrapped in his furred cloak in his chair by the fire, and some toast and water or other slop on the hob to sip at, and if Hareton, for pity, comes to amuse him, Hareton is not bad-natured, though he's rough, they're sure to part, one swearing and the other crying, I believe the master would relish Earnshaw's thrashing him to a mummy, if he were not his son, and I'm certain he would be fit to turn him out of doors if he knew half the nursing he gives himself. But then he won't go into danger of temptation he never enters the parlor and should linton show those ways in the house where he is he sends him upstairs directly i divined from this account that utter lack of sympathy had rendered young heathcliff selfish and disagreeable if he were not so originally and my interest in him consequently decayed though still i was moved with a sense of grief at his lot and a wish that he had been left with us mr edgar encouraged me to gain information he thought a great deal about him i fancy and would have run some risk to see him and he told me once to ask the housekeeper whether he ever came into the village She said he had only been twice on horseback, accompanying his father, and both times he pretended to be quite knocked up for three or four days afterwards. That housekeeper left, if I recollect rightly, two years after he came, and another, whom I did not know, was her successor. She lives there still. Time wore on at the Grange in its former pleasant way, till Miss Cathy reached sixteen. On the anniversary of her birth, we never manifested any signs of rejoicing, because it was also the anniversary of my late mistress's death. Her father invariably spent that day alone in the library, and walked at dusk as far as Gimmerton Kirkyard, where he would frequently prolong his stay beyond midnight. Therefore Catherine was thrown on her own resources for amusement. This twentieth of March was a beautiful spring day, and when her father had retired, my young lady came down dressed for going out, and said she had asked to have a ramble on the edge of the moors with me, and Mr. Linton had given her leave, if we went only a short distance and were back within the hour. "'So make haste, Ellen,' she cried. "'I know where I wish to go, where a colony of moor-gamers settled. I want to see whether they have made their nests yet.' That must be a good distance up i answered they don't breed on the edge of the moor no it's not she said i've gone very near with papa i put on my bonnet and sallied out thinking nothing more of the matter she bounded before me and returned to my side and was off again like a young greyhound and at first i found plenty of entertainment in listening to the larks singing far and near and enjoying the sweet warm sunshine and watching her my pet and my delight with her golden ringlets flying loose behind and her bright cheek as soft and pure in its bloom as a wild rose and her eyes radiant with cloudless pleasure She was a happy creature, and an angel in those days. It's a pity she could not be content. "'Well,' said I, "'where are your Miss Cathy?' "'We should be at them. The Grange Park fence is a great way off now.' "'Oh, a little further, only a little further, Ellen,' was her answer continually. "'Climb to that hillock, past that bank, and by the time you reach the other side, I shall have raised the birds.' But there were so many hillocks and banks to climb and pass that, at length, I began to be weary, and told her we must halt and retrace our steps. I shouted to her, as she had outstripped me a long way, she either did not hear or did not regard, for she still sprang on, and I was compelled to follow. Finally she dived into a hollow, and before I came in sight of her again she was two miles nearer withering heights in her own home, and I beheld a couple of persons arrest her, one of whom I felt convinced was Mr. Heathcliff himself. Cathy had been caught in the fact of plundering, or at least hunting, out the nests of the grouse. The heights were Heathcliff's land, and he was reproving the poacher. "'I've neither taken any nor found any,' she said as I toiled to them, expanding her hands in corroboration of the statement. I didn't mean to take them, but Papa told me there were quantities up here, and I wished to see the eggs. Heathcliff glanced at me with an ill-meaning smile, expressing his acquaintance with the party and, consequently, his malevolence towards it, and demanded who Papa was. Mr. Linton of Thrushcross Grange, she replied, I thought you did not know me, or you wouldn't have spoken in that way. You suppose Papa is highly esteemed and respected, then, he said sarcastically. And what are you? inquired Catherine, gazing curiously on the speaker. That man I've seen before. Is he your son? She pointed to Hareton, the other individual, who had gained nothing but increased bulk and strength by the addition of two years to his age. He seemed as awkward and rough as ever. Miss Cathy, I interrupted, it will be three hours instead of one that we are out, presently. We really must go back. No, that man is not my son, answered Heathcliff, pushing me aside, but I have one, and you have seen him before, too, and though your nurse is in a hurry, I think both you and she would be the better for a little rest. Will you just turn this synab of Heath and walk into my house? You'll get home earlier for the ease, and you shall receive a kind welcome. I whispered Catherine that she mustn't, on any account, accede to the proposal. It was entirely out of the question. "'Why?' she asked aloud. "'I'm tired of running, and the ground is dewy. I can't sit here. Let us go, Ellen. Besides, he says I have seen his son. He's mistaken, I think. But I guess where he lives. At the farmhouse I visited and coming from Pennistone Crags. Don't you?' "'I do.' "'Come, Nellie, hold your tongue. It will be a treat for her to look in on us. Hareton, get forwards with the lass. You shall walk with me, Nellie.' "'No, she's not going to any such place.' I cried, struggling to release my arm, which he had seized, but she was almost at the doorstones already, scampering round the brow at full speed. Her pointed companion did not pretend to escort her. He shied off by the roadside and vanished. Mr. Heathcliff, it's very wrong, I continued. You know you mean no good, and there she'll see Linton, and all will be told as soon as ever we return, and I shall have the blame. I want her to see Linton, he answered. He's looking better these days. It's not often he's fit to be seen, and will soon persuade her to keep the visit secret. Where is the harm of it? The harm of it is that her father would hate me if he found I suffered her to enter your house, and I am convinced you have a bad design in encouraging her to do so, I replied. My design is as honest as possible. I'll inform you of its whole scope, he said, that the two cousins may fall in love and get married. I'm acting generously to your master. His young trit has no expectations, and should she second my wishes, she'll be provided for, at once, as joint successor with Linton. If Linton died, I answered, and his life is quite uncertain, Catherine would be the heir. No, she would not, he said there is no clause in the will to secure it so his property would go to me but to prevent disputes i desire their union and am resolved to bring it about and i am resolved she shall never approach your house with me again i returned as we reached the gate where miss Cathy waited our coming heathcliff bid me be quiet and preceding us up the path hastened to open the door my young lady gave him several looks as if she could not exactly make up her mind what to think of him but now he smiled when he met her eye and softened his voice in addressing her and i was foolish enough to imagine the memory of her mother might disarm him from desiring her injury Linton stood on the hearth. He had been out, walking in the fields, for his cap was on, and he was calling to Joseph to bring him dry shoes. He had grown tall of his age, still wanting some months of sixteen. His features were pretty yet, and his eye and complexion brighter than I remembered them, though with merely temporary luster borrowed from the salubrious air and genial sun. "'Now, who is that?' asked Mr. Heathcliff, turning to Cathy. "'Can you tell?' "'Your son,' she said, having doubtfully surveyed, first one, and then the other. "'Yes, yes,' answered he. "'But is this the only time you have beheld him? "'Think!' "'Ah, you have a short memory. "'Linton, don't you recall your cousin, "'that you used to tease us so with wishing to see?' "'What, Linton?' cried Kathy, "'kindling into joyful surprise at the name. "'Is that little Linton? "'He's taller than I am. "'Are you, Linton?' "'The youth stepped forward and acknowledged himself. "'She kissed him fervently, and they gazed with wonder "'at the change time had wrought in the appearance of each. "'Catherine had reached her full height, "'her figure was both plump and slender, "'elastic as steel, and her whole aspect "'sparkling with health and spirits. "'Linton's looks and movements were very languid, and his form extremely slight, but there was a grace in his manner that mitigated these defects, and rendered him not unpleasing. After exchanging numerous marks of fondness with him, his cousin went to Mr. Heathcliff, who lingered by the door, dividing his attention between the objects inside and those that lay without, pretending, that is, to observe the latter, and really noting the former alone. And you are my uncle, then, she cried, reaching up to salute him. I thought I liked you, though you were cross at first. Why don't you visit at the Grange with Linton? To live all these years such close neighbors, and never see us, is odd. What have you done so for? "'I visited it once or twice too often before you were born,' he answered. "'There, damn it! if you have any kisses to spare, give them to Linton. They are thrown away on me.' "'Naughty Ellen!' exclaimed Catherine, flying to attack me next with her lavish caresses. "'Wicked Ellen, to try to hinder me from entering. But I'll take this walk every morning in the future. May I, uncle? And sometimes bring papa. Won't you be glad to see us?' "'Of course,' replied the uncle, with a hardly suppressed grimace, resulting from his deep aversion to both the proposed visitors. "'But stay,' he continued, turning towards the young lady. "'Now I think of it, I'd better tell you. "'Mr. Linton has a prejudice against me. "'We quarrelled at one time of our lives "'with unchristian ferocity, "'and if you mention coming here to him, "'he'll put a veto on your visits altogether. "'Therefore, you must not mention it, "'unless you be careless of seeing your cousin hereafter. "'You may come, if you will, "'but you must not mention it.' "'Why did you quarrel?' asked Catherine, "'considerably crestfallen. "'He thought me too poor to wed his sister,' "'answered Heathcliff, and was grieved that I got her. "'His pride was hurt, and he'll never forgive it.' "'That's wrong,' said the young lady. "'Sometime I'll tell him so.' But linton and i have no share in your quarrel i'll not come here then he shall come to the grange it will be too far for me murmured her cousin to walk four miles would kill me no come here miss catherine now and then not every morning but once or twice a week the father launched towards his son a glance of bitter contempt i am afraid nelly i shall lose my labor he muttered to me miss catherine as the ninny calls her will discover his value and send him to the devil now if it had been hareton do you know that twenty times a day i covet hareton with all his degradation I'd have loved the lad had he been someone else. But I think he's safe from her love. I'll pit him against that paltry creature, unless it bestir itself briskly. We calculate it will scarcely last till it is eighteen. Oh, confound the vapid thing. He's absorbed and dry in his feet, and never looks at her. Linton. Yes, father, answered the boy. Have you nothing to show your cousin, anywhere about, not even a rabbit or a weasel's nest? Take her into the garden before you change your shoes, and into the stable to see your horse." "'Wouldn't you rather sit here?' asked Linton, addressing Cathy in a tone which expressed reluctance to move again. "'I don't know,' she replied, casting a longing look to the door, and evidently eager to be active. He kept his seat and shrank closer to the fire. Heathcliff rose and went into the kitchen, and from thence to the yard, calling out for Hareton. Hareton responded, and presently the two re-entered. The young man had been washing himself, as was visible by the glow on his cheeks and his wetted hair. "'Oh, I'll ask you, uncle,' cried Miss Cathy, recollecting the housekeeper's assertion. "'That is not my cousin, is he?' "'Yes,' he replied, "'your mother's nephew. "'Don't you like him?' Catherine looked queer. "'Is he not a handsome lad?' he continued. "'The uncivil little thing stood on tiptoe, "'and whispered a sentence in Heathcliff's ear. "'He laughed. Hareton darkened. "'I perceived he was very sensitive to suspected slights, "'and had obviously a dim notion of his inferiority. "'But his master or guardian chased the frown by exclaiming, "'You'll be the favourite among us, Hareton." "'She says you are a—what was it? "'Well, something very flattering. "'Here, you go with her round the farm, "'and behave like a gentleman, mind.' Don't use any bad words, and don't stare when the young lady is not looking at you, and be ready to hide your face when she is. And when you speak, say your words slowly, and keep your hands out of your pockets. Be off, and entertain her as nicely as you can. He watched the couple walking past the window. Earnshaw had his countenance completely averted from his companion. He seemed studying the familiar landscape with the strangers, and an artist's interest. Catherine took a sly look at him, expressing small admiration. She then turned her attention to seeing out objects of amusement for herself, and tripped merrily on, lilting a tune to supply the lack of conversation i've tied his tongue observed heathcliff he'll not venture a single syllable all the time nelly you recollect me at his age nay some years younger did i ever look so stupid so gauntless, as joseph calls it worse i replied because more sullen with it i've a pleasure in him he continued reflecting aloud he has satisfied my expectations if he were a born fool i should not enjoy it half so much but he's no fool and i can sympathize with all his feelings having felt them myself i know what he suffers now for instance exactly it is merely a beginning of what he shall suffer though and you'll never be able to emerge from his pathos of coarseness and ignorance. I've got him faster than his scoundrel of a father secured me, and lower, for he takes a pride in his brutishness. I've taught him to scorn everything extra-animal as silly and weak. Don't you think Hindley would be proud of his son if he could see him? Almost as proud as I am of mine. But there's this difference. One is gold, put to the use of paving stones, and the other is tin, polished to ape a service of silver. Mine has nothing valuable about it. Yet I shall have the merit of making it go as far as such poor stuff can go his had first rate qualities and they are lost rendered worse than unavailing i have nothing to regret he would have more than any but i are aware of it and the best of it is hareton is damnably fond of me you'll own that i've outmatched hindley there if the dead villain could rise from his grave to abuse me for his offspring's wrong i should have the fun of seeing the said offspring fight him back again indignant that he should dare to rail at the one friend he has in the world heathcliff chuckled a fiendish laugh at the idea i made no reply because i saw that he expected none Meantime, our young companion, who sat too removed from us to hear what was said, began to evince symptoms of uneasiness, probably repenting that he had denied himself the treat of Catherine's society, for fear of a little fatigue. His father remarked the restless glances, wandering to the window, and the hand irresolutely extended towards the cap. Get up, you idle boy, he exclaimed with assumed hardiness. Away after them, they are just at the corner, by the stand of hives. Linton gathered his energies and left the hearth. The lattice was open, and, as he stepped out, I heard Cathy inquiring of her unsociable attendant. What was that inscription over the door? Hareton stared up and scratched his head like a true clown. It's some damnable writing, he answered. I cannot read it. Can't read it, cried Catherine. I can read it. It's English. But I want to know why it is there. Linton giggled, the first appearance of mirth he had exhibited. He does not know his letters, he said to his cousin. Could you believe in the existence of such a colossal dunce? Is he all as he should be, asked Miss Cathy seriously, or is he simple, not right? "'I've questioned him twice now, and each time he looked so stupid I think he does not understand me. I can hardly understand him, I'm sure.' Linton repeated his laugh and glanced at Hareton tauntingly, who certainly did not seem quite clear of comprehension at that moment. "'There's nothing the matter but laziness, is there Earnshaw? he said. "'My cousin fancies you are an idiot. There you experience the consequence of scorning, book-learning, as you would say. Have you noticed, Catherine, his frightful Yorkshire pronunciation?' "'Why, where the devil is the use on it?' growled Harriton, more ready in answering his daily companion. He was about to enlarge further but the two youngsters broke into a noisy fit of merriment my giddy miss being delighted to discover that she might turn a strange talk to matter of amusement where is the use of the devil in that sentence tittered linton papa told you not to say any bad words and you can't open your mouth without one do try to behave like a gentleman now do if thou weren't more a lass than a lad i'd fell thee this minute i would pitiful lath of a crater retorted the angry boar, retreating, while his face burnt with mingled rage and mortification, for he was conscious of being insulted, and embarrassed how to resent it. Mr. Heathcliff, having overheard the conversation as well as I, smiled when he saw him go, but immediately afterwards cast a look of singular aversion on the flippant pair, who remained chattering in the doorway, the boy finding animation enough while discussing Hareton's faults and deficiencies, and relating anecdotes of his goings-on, and the girl relishing his pert and spiteful sayings, without considering the ill nature they evinced. But I began to dislike, more than to compassionate, Linton, and to excuse his father, in some measure, for holding him cheap. We stayed till afternoon. I could not tear Miss Cathy away before, but happily my master had not quitted his apartment and remained ignorant of our prolonged absence. As we walked home, I would fain have enlightened my charge on the character of the people we had quitted, but she got it into her head that I was prejudiced against him. Aha, she cried, you take Papa's side, Ellen. You were partial, I know, or else you wouldn't have cheated me so many years into the notion that Linton lived a long way from here. I'm really extremely angry only i'm so pleased i can't show it but you must hold your tongue about my uncle he's my uncle remember and i'll scold papa for quarreling with him and so she ran on till i dropped endeavoring to convince her of her mistake she did not mention the visit that night because she did not see mr linton next day it all came out sadly to my chagrin and still i was not altogether sorry i thought the burden of directing and warning would be more efficiently borne by him than me but he was too timid in giving satisfactory reasons for his wish that she would shun connection with the household of the heights, and Catherine liked good reasons for every restraint that harassed her petted will. Papa, she exclaimed after the morning's salutations, guess whom I saw yesterday in my walk on the moors. Ah, Papa, you started. You've not done right, have you now? I saw, but listen, and you shall hear how I found you out, Aunt Ellen, who was in league with you, and yet pretended to pity me so when I kept hoping, and was always disappointed about Linton's coming back. She gave a faithful account of her excursion and its consequences, and my master, though he cast more than one reproachful look at me, said nothing till she had concluded. Then he drew her to him, and asked if she knew why he had concealed Linton's near neighborhood from her. Could she think it was to deny her a pleasure that she might harmlessly enjoy? It was because you disliked Mr. Heathcliff, she answered. Then you believe I care more for my own feelings than yours, Cathy, he said. No, it was not because I disliked Mr. Heathcliff, but because Mr. Heathcliff dislikes me, and is a most diabolical man, delighting to wrong and ruin those he hates, if they give him the slightest opportunity. I knew that you could not keep up an acquaintance with your cousin without being brought into contact with him, and I knew he would detest you on my account, so for your own good, and nothing else, I took precautions that you should not see Linton again. I meant to explain this some time as you grew older, and I'm sorry I delayed it. But Mr. Heathcliff was quite cordial, papa, observed Catherine, not at all convinced, and he didn't object to our seeing each other he said i might come to his house when i pleased only i must not tell you because you have quarrelled with him and would not forgive him for marrying aunt isabella and you won't you are the one to be blamed he is willing to let us be friends at least linton and i and you were not my master perceiving that she would not take his word for her uncle-in-law's evil disposition gave a hasty sketch of his conduct to isabella and the manner in which wuthering heights became his property he could not bear to discourse long upon the topic for though he spoke little of it he still felt the same horror and detestation of his ancient enemy that had occupied his heart ever since mrs linton's death she might have been living yet if it had not been for him was his constant bitter reflection and in his eyes heathcliff seemed a murderer miss Cathy, conversant with no bad deeds and deliberately prosecuted its plans without a visitation of remorse she appeared so deeply impressed and shocked at this new view of human nature excluded from all her studies and all her ideas till now that mr edgar deemed it unnecessary to pursue the subject he merely added "'You will know hereafter, darling, "'why I wish you to avoid his house and family. "'Now return to your old employments and amusements "'and think no more about them.' "'Catherine kissed her father "'and sat down quietly to her lessons "'for a couple of hours, according to custom. "'Then she accompanied him into the grounds, "'and the whole day passed as usual. "'But in the evening, when she had retired to her room, "'and I went to help her undress, "'I found her crying on her knees by the bedside. "'Oh, fie, silly child,' I exclaimed. "'If you had any real griefs, "'you'd be ashamed to waste a tear "'on this little contrariety. "'You never had one shadow of substantial sorrow, "'Miss Catherine,' Suppose for a minute that Master and I were dead, and you were by yourself in the world. How would you feel then? Compare the present occasion with such an affliction as that, and be thankful for the friends you have, instead of coveting more. "'I'm not crying for myself, Ellen,' she answered. "'It's for him. He expected to see me again, to-morrow. And there, he'll be so disappointed, and he'll wait for me, and I shan't come.' "'Nonsense,' said I. "'Do you imagine he has thought as much of you as you have of him? Hasn't he Hareton, for a companion?' Not one in a hundred would weep at losing a relation they had just seen twice for two afternoons except her own slight acts of disobedience injustice and passion rising from hot temper and thoughtlessness and repented of on the day they were committed was amazed at the blackness of spirit that could brood on and cover revenge for years linton will conjecture how it is and trouble himself no further about you but may i not write a note to tell him why i cannot come she asked rising to her feet and just send those books i promised to lend him his books were not as nice as mine and he wanted to have them extremely when i told him how interesting they were may i not ellen no indeed no indeed replied i with a decision then he would write to you having opened i emptied the whole contents into my apron and took them with me to examine at leisure in my own chamber though i could not but suspect i was still surprised to discover that they were a mass of correspondence daily almost it must have been from linton heathcliff answers to documents forwarded by her the earlier dates were embarrassed and sure gradually however they expanded into copious love letters Foolish as the age of the writer rendered natural, yet with touches here and there which I thought were borrowed from a more experienced source, some of them struck me as singularly odd compounds of ardor and flatness, commencing in strong feelings and concluding in the affected worldly way that a schoolboy might use to a fancied incorporeal sweetheart. Whether they satisfied Kathy, I don't know. They appeared very worthless trash to me. After turning over as many as I thought proper, I tied them in a handkerchief and set them aside, relocking the vacant drawer. Following her habit, my young lady descended early and visited the kitchen. I watched her go to the door on the arrival of a certain little boy, and while the dairymaid filled his can, she tucked something into his jacket pocket and plucked something out. I went round by the garden and laid wait for the messenger who fought valorously to defend his trust, and we spilt the milk between us, but I succeeded in abstracting the epistle and threatening serious consequences if he did not look sharp home. I remained under the wall and perused Miss Cathy's affectionate composition. It was more simple and more eloquent than her cousin's, very pretty and very silly. I shook my head and went meditating into the house. The day being wet, she could not divert herself with ramblings about the park, so at the conclusion of her morning studies, she resorted to the solace of the drawer. Her father sat reading at the table, and I, on purpose, had sought a bit of work in some unripped fringes, and there'd never be an end of it. No, Miss Catherine, the acquaintance must be dropped entirely. So Papa expects, and I shall see that it is done. But how can one little note, she recommenced, putting on an imploring countenance? Silence, I interrupted, will not begin with your little notes. Get into bed. She threw at me a very naughty look, so naughty that I would not kiss her goodnight at first. I covered her up and shut her door in great displeasure. But, repenting halfway, I returned softly and low. There was Miss standing at the table with a bit of blank paper before her and a pencil in her hand, which she guiltily slipped out of sight on my re-entrance. "'You'll get nobody to take that, Catherine,' I said, "'if you write it, and at present I shall put out your candle.' I set the extinguisher on the flame, receiving as I did so a slap on my hand and a petulant cross thing. I then quitted her again, and she drew the bolt in one of her worst, most peevish humours. The letter was finished and forwarded to its destination by a milk-fetcher who came from the village, but that I didn't learn till some time afterwards. Weeks passed on, and Kathy recovered her temper, though she grew wondrous fond of stealing off to corners by herself, and often I came near her suddenly while reading. She would start and bend over the book, evidently desirous to hide it, and I detected edges of loose paper sticking out beyond the leaves. She also got a trick of coming down early in the morning and lingering about the kitchen, as if she were expecting the arrival of something, and she had a small drawer in a cabinet in the library, which she would trifle over for hours, and whose key she took special care to remove when she left it. One day, as she inspected this drawer, I observed that the playthings and trinkets, which recently formed its contents, were transmuted into bits of folded paper. My curiosity and suspicions were roused. I determined to take a peep at her mysterious treasures. So, at night, as soon as she and my master were safe upstairs, I searched and readily found among my house-keys one that would fit the lock of the window-curtain, keeping my eyes steadily fixed on her proceedings. Never did any bird flying back to a plundered nest which it had left brimful of chirping young ones express more complete despair in its anguished cries and flutterings than she by her single, "'Oh!' and the change that transfigured her late happy countenance. Mr. Linton looked up. "'What is the matter, love? Have you hurt yourself?' he said. His tone and look assured her he had not been the discoverer of the hoard. "'No, papa,' she gasped. "'Ellen!' "'Ellen, come upstairs. I'm sick.' "'I obeyed her summons and accompanied her out. "'Oh, Ellen, you have got them!' "'She commenced immediately, dropping on her knees "'when we were enclosed again. "'Oh, give them to me, and I'll never, never do so again. "'Don't tell papa. "'You have not told papa, Ellen. Say you have not. "'I've been exceedingly naughty, but I won't do it any more.' "'With a grave severity in my manner, "'I bid her stand up. "'So,' I exclaimed, "'Miss Catherine, you are tolerably far on, it seems. "'You may well be ashamed of them. "'A fine bundle of trash you study in your leisure hours, "'to be sure.' Why it's good enough to be printed and what do you suppose the master will think when i display it before him i haven't shown it yet but you needn't imagine i shall keep your ridiculous secrets for shame and you must have led the way in writing such absurdities he would not have thought of beginning i'm certain i didn't i didn't sobbed kathy fit to break her heart i didn't once think of loving him till loving cried i as scornfully as i could utter the word loving did anybody ever hear the like i might just as well talk of loving the miller who comes once a year to buy our corn Pretty loving indeed, and both times together you have seen Linton hardly four hours in your life. Now here is the babyish trash. I'm going with it to the library, and we'll see what your father says to such loving. She sprang at her precious epistles, but I held them above my head, and then she poured out further frantic entreaties that I would burn them, do anything rather than show them. And being really fully as inclined to laugh as scold, for I esteemed it all girlish vanity, I at length relented in a measure, and asked, If I consent to burn them, will you promise faithfully never to send nor receive a letter again, nor a book? "'for I perceive you have sent him books, nor locks of hair, nor rings, nor playthings.' "'We don't send playthings,' cried Catherine, her pride overcoming her shame. "'Nor anything at all, then, my lady,' I said, "'unless you will, here I go.' "'I promise, Ellen,' she cried, catching my dress. "'Oh, put them in the fire! Do, do!' "'But when I proceeded to open a place with a poker, the sacrifice was too painful to be borne. She earnestly supplicated that I would spare her one or two—one or two, Ellen, to keep for Linton's sake.' I unknotted the handkerchief and commenced dropping them in from an angle, and the flame curled up the chimney. "'I will have one, you cruel wretch!' she screamed, darting her hand into the fire and drawing forth some half-consumed fragments at the expense of her fingers. "'Very well, and I will have some to exhibit to papa,' I answered, shaking back the rest in the bundle and turning anew to the door. She emptied her blackened pieces into the flames and motioned me to finish the immolation. It was done. I stirred up the ashes and interred them under a shovel full of coals, and she mutely and with a sense of intense injury retired to her private apartment. I descended to tell my master that the young lady's qualm of sickness was almost gone, but I judged it best for her to lie down a while. She wouldn't dine, but she reappeared at tea, pale and red right about the eyes, and marvelously subdued in outward aspect. Next morning, I answered the letter by a slip of paper inscribed Master Heathcliff is requested to send no more notes to Miss Linton, as she will not receive them, and thenceforth the little boy came with vacant pockets. Chapter 22. Summer drew to an end, and early autumn, it was past Michaelmas. "'But the harvest was late that year, and a few of our fields were still uncleared. "'Mr. Linton and his daughter would frequently walk out among the reapers. "'At the carrying of the last sheaves they stayed till dusk, "'and the evening happened to be chill and damp. "'My master caught a bad cold that, settling obstinately on his lungs, "'confined him indoors throughout the whole of the winter, nearly without intermission. "'Poor Cathy, frightened from her little romance, "'had been considerably sadder and duller since its abandonment, "'and her father insisted on her reading less and taking more exercise.' she had his companionship no longer. I esteemed it a duty to supply its lack as much as possible with mine, an inefficient substitute, for I could only spare two or three hours from my numerous diurnal occupations to follow her footsteps, and then my society was obviously less desirable than his. On an afternoon in October, or the beginning of November, a fresh, watery afternoon, when the turf and paths were rustling with moist, withered leaves, and the cold blue sky was half-hidden by clouds, dark grey steamers, rapidly mounted from the west, and boding abundant rain, I requested my young lady to forego her ramble and that she invariably was when Mr. Edgar had been worse than ordinary, a thing never known from his confession, but guessed both by her and me from his increased silence and the melancholy of his countenance. She went sadly on. There was no running or bounding now, though the chill wind, because I was certain of showers. She refused, and I unwillingly donned a cloak and took my umbrella to accompany her on a stroll to the bottom of the park. A formal walk, which she generally affected at low-spirited, might have tempted her to a race. And after, from the side of my eye, I could detect her raising a hand and brushing something off her cheek, I gazed round for a means of diverting her thoughts. On one side of the road was a high, rough bank where hazels and stunted oaks, with their roots half-exposed, held uncertain tenure. The soil was too loose for the latter, and strong winds had blown some nearly horizontal. In summer, Miss Catherine delighted to climb along these trunks and sit in the branches, swinging twenty feet above the ground, and I, pleased with her agility and her light, childish heart, still considered it proper to scold every time I caught her at such an elevation, but so that she knew there was no necessity for descending. From dinner to tea, she would lie, in her breeze-rocked cradle, doing nothing except singing old songs, my nursery lore, to herself, or watching the birds, joint tenants, feed and entice their young ones to fly, or nestling with closed lids, half thinking, half dreaming, happier than words can express. "'Look, miss!' I exclaimed, pointing to a nook under the roots of one twisted tree. "'Winter is not here yet. There's a little flower up yonder, the last bud from the multitude of bluebells that clouded those turf steps in July with a lilac mist. Will you clamber up and pluck it to show to papa?' Kathy stared a long time at the lonely blossom "'trembling in its earthy shelter, and replied, at length, "'No, I'll not touch it. "'But it looks melancholy, does it not, Helen?' "'Yes,' I observed, about as starved and sackless as you. "'Your cheeks are bloodless. "'Let us take hold of hands and run. "'You're so low, I dare say. "'I shall keep up with you.' "'No,' she repeated, and continued sauntering on, "'pausing at intervals to muse over a bit of moss "'or a tuft of blanched grass, "'or a fungus spreading its bright orange "'along the heaps of brown foliage, "'and, ever and anon, her hand was lifted to her averted face.' "'Catherine, why are you crying, love?' I asked, approaching and putting my arm over her shoulder. "'You mustn't cry, because papa has a cold. Be thankful it is nothing worse.' She now put no further restraint on her tears. Her breath was stifled by sobs. "'Oh, it will be something worse,' she said, "'and what shall I do when papa and you leave me and I am by myself? "'I can't forget your words, Ellen. They are always in my ear. "'How life will be changed, how dreary the world will be, when papa and you are dead. "'None can tell whether you won't die before us,' I replied. "'It's wrong to anticipate evil.' "'We'll hope there are years and years to come before any of us go. "'Master is young, and I am strong, and hardly forty-five. "'My mother lived till eighty, a canty dame to the last. "'And suppose Mr. Linton were spared till he saw sixty. "'That would be more years than you have counted, miss. "'And would it not be foolish to mourn a calamity above twenty years beforehand?' "'But Aunt Isabella was younger than Papa,' she remarked, "'gazing up with timid hope to seek further consolation. "'Aunt Isabella had not you and me to nurse her,' I replied. "'She wasn't as happy as Master. "'She hadn't as much to live for.' All you need do is to wait well on your father, and cheer him by letting him see you cheerful, and avoid giving him anxiety on any subject. Mind that, Cathy. I'll not disguise, but you might kill him, if you were wild and reckless, and cherished a foolish, fanciful affection for the son of a person who would be glad to have him in his grave, and allowed him to discover that you fretted over the separation he has judged it expedient to make. I fret about nothing on earth except papa's illness, answered my companion. I care for nothing in comparison with papa, and I'll never— Never, oh never, while I have my senses, do an act, or say a word, to vex him. I love him better than myself, Ellen, and I know it by this. I pray every night that I may live after him, because I would rather be miserable than that he should be. That proves I love him better than myself. Good words, I replied, but deeds must prove it also. And after he is well, remember you don't forget resolutions formed in the hour of fear. As we talked, we neared a door that opened on the road and my young lady, lightning into sunshine again, climbed up and seated herself on the top of the wall, reaching over to gather some hips that bloomed scarlet on the summit branches of the wild rose trees, shadowing the highway side. The lower fruit had disappeared, but only birds could touch the upper, except from Kathy's present station, and stretching to pull them, her hat fell off, and as the door was locked, she proposed scrambling down to recover it. I bid her be cautious, lest she got a fall, and she nimbly disappeared, but the return was no such easy matter. The stones were smooth and neatly cemented, and the rose bushes and blackberry stragglers could yield no assistance in reascending. I, like a fool, didn't recollect that, till I heard her laughing and exclaiming, "'Ellen, you'll have to fetch the key, or else I must run round to the porter's lodge. I can't scale the ramparts on this side.' "'Stay where you are,' I answered. "'I have my bundle of keys in my pocket. Perhaps I may manage to open it. If not, I'll go.' Catherine amused herself with dancing to and fro before the door, while I tried all the large keys in succession. i had applied the last, and found that none would do. So, repeating my desire that she would remain there, I was able to hurry home as fast as I could, when an approaching sound arrested me. It was the trot of a horse. Cathy's dance stopped, and in a minute the horse stopped also. "'Who is that?' I whispered. "'Ellen, I wish you could open the door,' whispered back my companion anxiously. Ho, Miss Linton,' cried a deep voice. "'The riders. I'm glad to meet you. Don't be in haste to enter, for I have an explanation to ask and obtain.' "'I shan't speak to you, Mr. Heathcliff,' answered Catherine. "'Papa says you are a wicked man, and you hate both him and me, and Ellen says the same.' "'That is nothing to the purpose,' said Heathcliff. He it was. "'I don't hate my son, I suppose, and it is concerning him that I demand your attention. Yes, you have cause to blush. Two or three months since, were you not in a habit of writing to Linton? Making love and play, eh? You deserved, both of you, flogging for that. You especially, the elder, and less sensitive, as it turns out. I've got your letters, and if you give me any pertness, I'll send them to your father. I presume you grew weary of the amusement, and dropped it, didn't you? Well, you dropped Linton with it, into a slow of despond. He was in earnest, and love, really. As true as I live, he's dying for you, breaking his heart at your fickleness, not figuratively, but actually. Though Hareton has made him a standing jest for six weeks, and I have used more serious measures and attempted to frighten him out of his idiocy, he gets worse daily, and he'll be under the sod before summer unless you restore him. How can you lie so glaringly to the poor child I called from the inside? Pray ride on. How can you deliberately get up such paltry falsehoods? Miss Cathy? I'll knock the lock off with a stone. You won't believe that vile nonsense. "'You can feel in yourself. "'It is impossible that a person should die for the love of a stranger.' "'I was not aware there were eavesdroppers,' muttered the detected villain. "'Worthy, Mrs. Dean, I like you. "'But I don't like your double-dealing,' he added aloud. "'How could you lie so glaringly as to affirm I hated the poor child "'and invent bugbear stories to terrify her from my doorstones? "'Catherine Linton—the very name warms me—my bonny lass. "'I shall be from home all this week. "'Go and see if I have not spoken truth. "'Do, there's a darling.' Just imagine your father in my place, and Linton in yours, then think how you would value your careless lover if he refused to stir a step to comfort you, when your father himself entreated him. And don't, from pure stupidity, fall into the same error. I swear on my salvation he's going to his grave, and none but you can save him. The lock gave way, and I issued out. I swear Linton is dying, repeated Heathcliff, looking hard at me, and grief and disappointment are hastening his death. Nellie, if you won't let her go, you can walk over yourself. But I shall not return till this time next week." And I think your master himself would scarcely object to her visiting her cousin. Come in, said I, taking Cathy by the arm and half forcing her to re enter, for she lingered, viewing with troubled eyes the features of the speaker, too stern to express his inward deceit. He pushed his horse close, and bending down, observed, Miss Catherine, I'll own to you that I have little patience with Linton, and Hareton and Joseph have less. I'll own that he's with a harsh set. He pines for kindness as well as love, and a kind word from you would be his best medicine don't mind mrs dean's cruel cautions but be generous and contrive to see him he dreams of you day and night and cannot be persuaded that you don't hate him since you neither write nor call i closed the door and rolled a stone to assist the loosened lock in holding it and spreading my umbrella i drew my charge underneath for the rain began to drive through the moaning branches of the trees and warned us to avoid delay our hurry prevented any comment on the encounter with heathcliff as we stretched towards home but i divined instinctively that Catherine's heart was clouded now in double darkness her features were so sad they did not seem hers she evidently regarded what she had heard as every syllable true the master had retired to rest before we came in Cathy stole to his room to inquire how he was he had fallen asleep she returned and asked me to sit with her in the library we took our tea together and afterwards she lay down on the rug and told me not to talk for she was weary i got a book and pretended to read as soon as she supposed me absorbed in my occupation she recommenced her silent weeping it appeared at present her favorite diversion I suffered her to enjoy it a while, then I expostulated, deriding and ridiculing all Mr. Heathcliff's assertion about his son, as if I were certain she would coincide. Alas, I hadn't the skill to counteract the effect his account had produced. It was just what he intended. "'You may be right, Ellen,' she answered, "'but I shall never feel at ease till I know, and I must tell Linton that it is not my fault that I don't write, and convince him that I shall not change.' What use were anger and protestations against her silly credulity?' We parted that night hostile, but next day beheld me on the road to Wuthering Heights, by the side of my willful young mistress's pony. I couldn't bear to witness her sorrow, to see her pale, dejected countenance and heavy eyes, and I yielded in the faint hope that Linton himself might prove, by his reception of us, how little of the tale was founded on fact. Chapter 23 The rainy night had ushered in a misty morning, half frost, half drizzle, and temporary brooks crossed our path, gurgling from the uplands my feet were thoroughly wetted, I was cross and low, exactly the humor suited for making the most of these disagreeable things. We entered the farmhouse by the kitchen way, to ascertain whether Mr. Heathcliff were really absent, because I put slight faith in his own affirmation. Joseph seemed sitting in a sort of Elysium alone, beside a roaring fire, a quart of ale on the table near him, bristling with large pieces of toasted oat cake, and his black short pipe in his mouth. Catherine ran to the hearth to warm herself. I asked if the master was in. My question remained so long unanswered that I thought the old man had grown deaf, and repeated it louder. "'Nay!' he snarled, or rather screamed, through his nose. "'Nay! "'You must go aback where you came from.' "'Joseph!' cried a peevish voice, simultaneously with me, from the inner room. "'How often am I to call you? "'There are only a few red ashes now. "'Joseph! "'Come this moment!' "'Vigorous puffs and a resolute stare into the grate declared he had no ear for this appeal. "'The housekeeper and Hareton were invisible, one gone on an errand, and the other at his work, probably. "'We knew Linton's tones and entered.' "'Oh, I hope you'll die in a garret, "'starved to death,' said the boy, "'mistaking our approach for that of his negligent attendant. "'He stopped on observing his error. "'His cousin flew to him. "'Is that you, Miss Linton?' he said, "'raising his head from the arm of the great chair, "'in which he reclined. "'No, don't kiss me. It takes my breath. "'Dear me, Papa said you would call,' "'continued he, after recovering a little "'from Catherine's embrace, "'while she stood by looking very contrite. "'Will you shut the door, if you please? "'You left it open, and those— "'those detestable creatures won't bring coals to the fire. "'It's so cold.' I stirred up the cinders and fetched a scuttle full myself. The invalid complained of being covered with ashes, but he had a tiresome cough and looked feverish and ill, so I did not rebuke his temper. "'Well, Linton,' murmured Catherine, when his corrugated brow relaxed, "'are you glad to see me? Can I do you any good?' "'Why didn't you come before?' he said. "'You should have come instead of writing. It tired me dreadfully writing those long letters. I'd far rather have talked to you. Now I can neither bear to talk nor anything else. I wonder where Zilla is. Will you, looking at me, step into the kitchen and see?' I had received no things for my other service, and being unwilling to run to and fro at his behest, I replied, "'Nobody is out there but Joseph.' "'I want to drink,' he exclaimed, fretfully, turning away. "'Zilla is constantly gadding off to Gamerton since Papa went. "'It's miserable, and I'm obliged to come down here. "'They resolved never to hear me upstairs.' "'Is your father attentive to you, Master Heathcliff?' I asked, perceiving Catherine to be checked in her friendly advances. "'Attentive? He makes them a little more attentive, at least,' he cried." The wretches! Do you know, Miss Linton, that brute Hareton laughs at me? I hate him, indeed. I hate them all. They are odious beings. Cathy began searching for some water. She lighted on a pitcher in the dresser, filled a tumbler, and brought it. He bid her add a spoonful of wine from a bottle on the table, and having swallowed a small portion, appeared more tranquil, and said she was very kind. And are you glad to see me? asked she, reiterating her former question, and pleased to detect the faint dawn of a smile. Yes, I am. It's something new to hear a voice like yours, he replied but I have been vexed, because you wouldn't come, and Papa swore it was owing to me. He called me a pitiful, shuffling, worthless thing, and said you despised me. And if he had been in my place, he would be more the master of the Grange than your father by this time. But you don't despise me, do you, miss? I wish you would say Catherine, or Kathy, interrupted my young lady. Despise you? No, next to Papa and Ellen, I love you better than anybody living. I don't love Mr. Heathcliff, though, and I dare not come when he returns. Will he stay away many days?' "'Not many,' answered Linton, "'but he goes on to the moors frequently, since the shooting season commenced, and you might spend an hour or two with me in his absence. "'Do, say you will. I think I should not be peevish with you. You'd not provoke me, and you'd be always ready to help me, wouldn't you?' "'Yes,' said Catherine, stroking his long, soft hair. "'If I could only get Papa's consent, I'd spend half my time with you. "'Pretty, Linton, I wish you were my brother.' "'And then you would like me as well as your father,' observed he more cheerfully but Papa says you would love me better than him and all the world if you were my wife, so I'd rather you were that. No, I should never love anybody better than Papa, she returned gravely, and people hate their wives sometimes, but not their sisters and brothers, and if you were the latter, you would live with us, and Papa would be as fond of you as he is of me. Linton denied that people ever hated their wives, but Cathy affirmed they did, and, in her wisdom, instanced his own father's aversion to her aunt. I endeavored to stop her thoughtless tongue. I couldn't succeed till everything she knew was out. "'Master Heathcliff, much irritated, asserted her relation was false. "'Papa told me, and papa does not tell falsehoods,' she answered pertly. "'My papa scorns yours,' cried Linton. "'He calls him a sneaking fool.' "'Yours is a wicked man,' retorted Catherine, "'and you are very naughty to dare to repeat what he says. "'He must be wicked to have made Aunt Isabella leave him as she did.' "'She didn't leave him,' said the boy. "'You shan't contradict me.' "'She did,' cried my young lady. "'Well, I'll tell you something,' said Linton. "'Your mother hated your father. "'Now, then!' "'Oh!' exclaimed Catherine, too enraged to continue. "'And she loved mine,' added he. "'You little liar! I hate you now!' she panted, and her face grew red with passion. "'She did! She did!' sang Linton, sinking into the recess of his chair, and leaning back his head to enjoy the agitation of the other disputant who stood behind. "'Hush, Master Heathcliff,' I said. "'That's your father's tale, too, I suppose.' "'It isn't. You hold your tongue,' he answered. "'She did! She did, Catherine! She did! She did!' "'Cathy, beside herself, gave the chair a violent push "'and caused him to fall against one arm. "'He was immediately seized by a suffocating cough "'that soon ended his triumph. "'It lasted so long that it frightened even me. "'As to his cousin, she wept with all her might, aghast at the mischief she had done, though she said nothing. "'I held him till the fit exhausted itself. "'Then he thrust me away and leaned his head down silently. "'Catherine quelled her lamentations also, "'took a seat opposite, and looked solemnly into the fire. "'How do you feel now, Mr. Heathcliff?' "'I inquired after waiting ten minutes.' "'I wish she felt as I do,' he replied, "A "'spiteful, cruel thing. Hareton never touches me. "'He never struck me in his life, and I wish better today. "'And there,' his voice died in a whimper. "'I didn't strike you,' muttered Kathy, chewing her lip to prevent another burst of emotion. "'He sighed and moaned like one under great suffering, and kept it up for a quarter of an hour, on purpose to distress his cousin, apparently, for whenever he caught a stifled sob from her, he put renewed pain and pathos into the inflections of his voice.' I'm sorry I hurt you, Linton, she said at length, racked beyond endurance, but I couldn't have been hurt by that little push, and I had no idea that you could either. You're not much, are you, Linton? Don't let me go home thinking I've done you harm. Answer, speak to me. I can't speak to you, he murmured. You've hurt me so that I shall lie awake all night choking with this cough, and if you had it, you'd know what it was. But you'll be comfortably asleep while I'm in agony, and nobody near me. I wonder how you would like to pass those fearful nights, and he began to wail aloud for very pity of himself. "'Since you were in the habit of passing dreadful nights,' I said, "'it won't be Miss who spoils your ease. "'You'd be the same had she never come. "'However, she shall not disturb you again, "'and perhaps you'll get quieter when we leave you.' "'Must I go?' asked Catherine dolefully, bending over him. "'Do you want me to go, Linton? "'You can't alter what you've done,' he replied pettishly, shrinking from her, "'unless you alter it for the worse by teasing me into a fever.' "'Well, then I must go,' she repeated. "'Let me alone, at least,' said he. "'I can't bear your talking.' she lingered and resisted my persuasions to departure a tiresome while but as he neither looked up nor spoke she finally made a movement to the door and i followed we were recalled by a scream linton had slid from his seat on to the hearthstone and lay writhing in the mere perverseness of an indulged plague of a child determined to be as grievous and harassing as it can i thoroughly gauged his disposition from his behaviour and saw at once it would be folly to attempt humouring him not so my companion she ran back in terror knelt down and cried and soothed and entreated till he grew quiet from lack of breath, by no means from compunction at distressing her. I shall lift him on the saddle, I said, and he may roll about as he pleases. We can't stop to watch him. I hope you are satisfied, Miss Cathy, that you are not the person to benefit him, and that his condition of health is not occasioned by attachment to you. Now then, there it is. Come away, as soon as he knows there is nobody by to care for his nonsense, he'll be glad to lie still. She placed a cushion under his head, and offered him some water. He rejected the latter, and tossed uneasily on the former, as if it were a stone or a block of wood. She tried to put it more comfortably. "'I can't do with that,' he said. "'It's not high enough.' Catherine brought another to lay above it. "'That's too high,' murmured the provoking thing. "'How must I arrange it, then?' she asked despairingly. He twined himself up to her, as she half knelt by the settle, and converted her shoulder into a support. "'No, that won't do,' I said. "'You'll be content with the cushion, Master Heathcliff. "'Miss has wasted too much time on you already. "'We cannot remain five minutes longer.' "'Yes, yes, we can,' replied Cathy. "'He's good and patient now.' He's beginning to think i shall have far greater misery than he will to-night if i believe he is the worst for my visit and then i dare not come again tell the truth about it linton for i mustn't come if i have hurt you you must come to cure me he answered you ought to come because you have hurt me you know you have extremely i was not as ill when you entered as i am at present was i but you've made yourself ill by crying and being in a passion i didn't do it all said his cousin however we'll be friends now and you want me you would wish to see me sometimes really I told you I did, he replied impatiently. Sit on the settle and let me lean on your knee. That's as Mama used to do, whole afternoons together. Sit quite still and don't talk. But you may sing a song, if you can sing, or you may say a nice, long, interesting ballad, one of those you promised to teach me, or a story. I'd rather have a ballad, though. Begin. Catherine repeated the longest she could remember. The employment pleased both mightily. Linton would have another, and after that another, notwithstanding my strenuous objections, and so they went on until the clock struck twelve, "'and we heard Hareton in the court returning for his dinner. "'And tomorrow, Catherine, you will be here tomorrow?' "'asked young Heathcliff, holding her frock as she rose reluctantly. "'No,' I answered, "'nor next day neither.' "'She, however, gave a different response, evidently, "'for his forehead cleared as she stood and whispered in his ear. "'You won't go tomorrow, recollect, miss,' I commenced, "'when we were out of the house. "'You are not dreaming of it, are you?' "'She smiled. "'Oh, I'll take good care,' I continued. "'I'll have that lock mended, and you can escape by no way else.' "'I can get over the wall,' she said, laughing. "'The Grange is not a prison, Ellen, and you are not my jailer. "'And besides, I'm almost seventeen. "'I'm a woman, and I'm certain Linton would recover quickly "'if he had me to look after him. "'I'm older than he is, you know, and wiser. "'Less childish, am I not? "'And he'll soon do as I direct him with some slight coaxing. "'He's a pretty little darling when he's good. "'I'd make such a pet of him if he were mine. "'We should never quarrel, should we, after we were used to each other? "'Don't you like him, Ellen?' "'Like him,' I exclaimed. "'The worst-tempered bit of a sickly slip that ever struggled into its teens.' Happily, as Mr. Heathcliff conjectured, he'll not win twenty. I doubt whether he'll see spring, indeed, and small loss to his family whenever he drops off, and lucky it is for us that his father took him. The kinder he was treated, the more tedious and selfish he'd be. I'm glad you have no chance of having him for a husband, Miss Catherine. My companion waxed serious at hearing the speech, to speak of his death so regardlessly wounded her feelings. He's younger than I, she answered, after a protracted pause of meditation, and he ought to live the longest. He will. He will. "'He must live as long as I do. "'He's as strong now as when he first came into the North. "'I'm positive of that. "'It's only a cold that ails him, the same as Papa has. "'You say Papa will get better, and why shouldn't he?' "'Well, well,' I cried. "'After all, we needn't trouble ourselves. "'For listen, miss, and mind, I'll keep my word. "'If you attempt going to Wuthering Heights again, whither or without me, I shall inform Mr. Linton, "'and unless he allow it, the intimacy with your cousin "'must not be revived.' "'It has been revived,' muttered Cathy sulkily. "'Must not be continued, then,' I said. "'We'll see,' was her reply, and she set off at a gallop, leaving me to toil in the rear. We both reached home before our dinner-time. My master supposed we had been wandering through the park, and therefore he demanded no explanation of our absence. As soon as I entered, I hastened to change my soaked shoes and stockings, but sitting such a while at the heights had done the mischief. On the succeeding morning I was laid up, and during three weeks I remained incapacitated for attending to my duties, a calamity never experienced prior to that period, and never, I am thankful to say, since. My little mistress behaved like an angel in coming to wait on me. And cheer my solitude the confinement brought me exceedingly low it is wearisome to a stirring active body but few have slighter reasons to complain than i had the moment Catherine left mr Linton's room she appeared at my bedside her day was divided between us no amusement usurped a minute she neglected her meals her studies and her play and she was the fondest nurse that ever watched she must have had a warm heart when she loved her father so to give so much to me i said her days were divided between us but the master retired early and i generally needed nothing after six o'clock thus the evening was her own. Poor thing, I never considered what she did with herself after tea, and though frequently, when she looked in to bid me night, I remarked a fresh color in her cheeks, and a pinkness over her slender fingers, instead of fancying the hue borrowed from a cold ride across the moors, I laid it to the charge of a hot fire in the library. Okay, so before we discuss these chapters, I just wanted to remind you guys of how I am able to make this podcast happen. Okay, so these chapters are kind of interesting, um, we we get to see a lot more of Linton, um, we get to see Kathy being very sneaky, um, at least I saw that coming, I, I hope that you guys did as well, um, definitely expected her to not follow the rules, not really, um, listen to the directions and instructions she was given, um. It's sad to hear that uh, Mr. Linton is not doing well again. I mean, we, we already knew that, that he wasn't going to live super long, but it is sad to see it kind of happening in real time. Um, Kathy discovers that Linton is living at Wuthering Heights, um, and she thinks that's where he came from to begin with, I reckon, um, because she mentions that uh, they had lived like so close together and she had never known him. Uh, which isn't true, but explaining the ins and outs of it, I'm sure, was was going to be difficult, and they already had to do that in regards to Heathcliff's character. um, Heathcliff is actively working to make Kathy act in a negative way for herself and for Mrs. Dean and for her father, especially. Um, Linton has definitely been affected by staying with Heathcliff. Um... He is turning into a complete little, like, disaster. Um, He's definitely a monster, or at least the beginnings of one, because he is not profiting off of his feebleness, but he is certainly using it to his advantage to try to get what he wants out of people. Um, And that kind of manipulative behavior, I think, has definitely been learned from Heathcliff. Um, Heathcliff is a very conniving, sneaky man. He knows how to talk to people and say things and do things that make the people around him kind of unaware of what his end game is, and that definitely works in his favor to kind of not even win people over, but just, like, get what he wants out of people. I think he, he sees those around him as, like, pawns, and he thinks he's a chess master, um, but... Hopefully, Kathy doesn't fall too deeply into this mess. Um, They say that they're in love, but I don't think either really knows the other, Um, and especially given the circumstances with Heathcliff and Mr. Linton and Mrs. Dean, um, they're kind of getting multiple sides of a story, but never really knowing each other. So in thinking about um, where this could potentially go, I don't see it turning out well for anyone. Um, everyone thinks that Linton is not going to make it to 20, uh, he's still a few years off from that, so I'm- I'm not sure where that will go, but he's definitely not doing well. Um, he's not, like, faking his entire sickness, um, he's just kind of making it worse to his own benefit. If- if they do end up together, which I think is where I kind of see it going, um, it's going to be kind of like the Isabella situation where She gets cut off from the family, things turn sour quickly, um, and there's just a lot of, like, regret and trouble that comes along with it, so. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. The next set of chapters, I'm assuming, is going to be a bit longer, so hopefully we are given quite a bit of information, uh, and maybe starting to come to some kind of resolution since we only have a few more chapters left, so. I have no idea how this is going to end. Um, I don't see a particularly happy ending coming out of this, but I guess, I guess we should just wait and see. Thanks for listening. This has been chapters 21 through 23 of Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Stay tuned for Monday's episode that looks at chapters 24 through 28.